Welcome to the live weekly message from the auditorium at Encounter. You may not be here in person, but you are still part of the family. Our speaker today is author and lead pastor, Michael Rice. Turn with me, if you would, church, to the book of John, chapter 11. We'll be reading two sets of scriptures this morning. John chapter 11, beginning at verse number 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now when Jesus... Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Drop down, if you would, to verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. 
Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Would you stretch your hands this way and pray with me and for me this morning? Father, I, I, I know what I believe, what you have put on my heart to share. And, and I'm thankful, God, that I can stand on this promise that your word will never return void. It will accomplish that which you have sent it to do. Holy Spirit, you're the real preacher. You're the real teacher. I ask you to do what you do so well. Guide us into truth here this morning. And I thank you, Father, for it in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I want to share with you confronting the stinky stuff. Confronting the stinky stuff. I would suggest that probably everybody in this room wants to see God do miraculous things. I would suggest that this is one of the most miraculous things he did while he walked this planet. He had healed sick people. He had opened blinded eyes and unstopped deaf ears. He had cleansed people of leprosy. Those were fantastic things to see healed people sick of the palsy, blood diseases. He healed a young lady moments after she passed and brought her back to life. He interrupted the widow of Nain's son's funeral and pulled him out of the casket. But this 
man has been dead four days. And surely at this point, he stinks. I would suggest that most of us would agree this was one tough act to pull off. But it was simple for God. And yet we find in this story, I believe, some guideposts to tell us that if we want to see happen what happened there, if we want to see miracles happen, there are some steps to it. And I want to go through those with you this morning. Number one, relationship. This was a person. Lazarus was a person. Mary and Martha were people whom Jesus had a relationship with. It said not only did they love him, he loved them. Can I, can I, can I, I want to share this with you this morning. God is interested in an ongoing, full-time, personal relationship with every one of us. He is less interested in those people who check in and check out, that use him like some kind of line of credit in case they get themselves into a mess, who only call on him when they have a problem. He's looking for a relationship with people that transcends the hour or two on Sunday morning and Wednesday night in church who have gone beyond the idea that we come to his house and they understand that we are his house. That where we go, the house of God goes. Where we go, the kingdom of God goes. And it's not limited to the walls of a building. It's only limited to our faith. Jesus worked this miracle in the lives of people who he had a relationship with. And all of us know this about relationships. Relationships have days that things are going great. And there are days in our relationships that they're not going so great. Amen? Sometimes it's really going the way you want it to go, and sometimes it misses the mark. How many know what I'm talking about? We miss opportunities. Looking in the mirror the other day, and I'm... I looked and I said, oh, how did I get so old? I don't remember ever having any gray hair and it's starting to show up. What's this? I turned to Gail Beth and I said, man, I don't, I don't, I don't like to see what I'm seeing in the mirror. You got any word of encouragement here? She goes, your eyesight's still good. Uh, I'm just kidding, but you can relate, eh? God wants you to understand something. You need to hear this. He's not a God that throws you aside the moment you make a mistake. I'm not condoning sin. 
You will never know the depth and the riches of the grace of God until you encounter it in your worst moments. And if the church could get over the idea that, that our relationship with God is not about how good we are, but about how good he is. You see, we, we take a vow and when we get married, and the, the vow is for better or for worse. And why do you think, do you think that God would call us to do anything less than what he's willing to do? I want to tell you something. He's as much your God and as much as your friend and as much as your Lord and the Savior when you're at the worst of your moments than at the best of your moments. If he was a God who would, would, would get rid of you and shun you and, and shy away from you because you tripped and fell, then he's no kind of God at all. When I need him the most, he is the most to me. Paul said... Would we sin more because grace? No. But where sin abounds, grace abounds more. I have found in the, 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 the moments of my life when, when I had done everything I could do to mess it up, he never left me nor forsook me. He never told me it was beyond his ability to repair it. He never, ever, ever sent me the message that he had given up on me. And it's in those moments that I learned to love him more because I wasn't lovable, and yet he loved me. You see, miracles start when you understand you're in a relationship with him. When you fall and you're down, he doesn't, he doesn't move on without you. He stops right there. He speaks into your spirit, get up. I still believe in you. You see, it's his words. They're more than just words. They are spirit and they're, they're life. And he speaks to us into that moment. He, he works through relationships. Our relationship with him is sticky, not stinky. He sticks by. He's stick like closer than a brother would. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. We all know what a comforter is. He's there to guide us and to pick us up. But, but listen to me for a moment. You go back and read that story. There's some, some words in there that almost seem strange. It says that because Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus, he didn't go. Listen to me for a moment. It's not only that he will stick with us in relationship. We, we got to stick with him. He can't pl be plan A for a little while and then become plan B or plan C or plan D. You, you just stick with plan A. You, you don't quit when it gets ugly. Because you know what? Sometimes when you're waiting on God, listen, things will die. Things that have to die will die. Things that you don't want to die will die. Things that you think you can't live without will die. 
I think, but maybe I think, that God allows that to happen so that we understand we can get to the point that I can live without anybody or anything except God. That I, I love people and I love connection, but when, when the rubber meets the road, I need him. And it literally says, because he loved them, he didn't go. I want to talk to somebody this morning. Maybe you lost that, not because God didn't love you, but because he did. And maybe you have canceled out and forgotten about something that God hasn't yet canceled out on. Maybe you think it's over. Maybe everybody else thinks it's over. And I'll tell you when it's over. It's not over when the fat lady sings. It's when the man on the cross says it's over. Then it's over. But not until then. You're in a relationship with him and, and there will be times when he will, he will tarry. Secondly, there came a release. There came a point in time when Lazarus died. Listen to me for a moment. I don't know where he was in that moment that he died. I don't know whether he was outside. I don't know if he was laying in his bed. But there came a moment when he gave up his last breath and he died. Hear me. And they didn't leave him there. They released it. There's nothing more we can do. Martha and Mary loved Lazarus. You can bet up until the last moment they're doing everything they can to keep him alive. And now they can't do it anymore. And they released it. They took him to a grave and they rolled a stone in front of it. That's what we do, isn't it? I'm speaking to somebody who has a stone rolled in front of something that has died. You know, there comes a time when God wants us to get to the end of ourself so that in our weakness, he's made strong. I was a young Christian. I, I hadn't been saved long. I was still homeless in this point of my life. And I had tore the quadricep muscle, this big muscle on the front of my leg. I, I, had, I, I, I remember running, and all of a sudden something happened, and I, I crumpled to the ground. And literally right here at the top of my leg, it looked like you had taken and buried a tennis ball under my skin. There was this big lump right there. I could, I, I could walk fine, but I couldn't push up with the leg at all. The next day I got up, and from here to my ankle was black and blue. My whole leg was swelled up in black and blue. I went to the emergency room. They x-rayed and they told me, you, you have ripped the quadricep muscle. They said, it's very rare, but it's literally the muscle, that big muscle in front has torn loose from your knee, and that big ball you see is your muscle, like a rubber band that's stretched, you know. It just. And they said, and, and there's, there's blood vessels that go through it, and when it ripped, it ripped those, and so your, your entire leg is swelled up with 
And they said, what's your insurance plan look like? <laughs> As a young Christian, I didn't know what to do. I, I, I prayed. I went to church, and, and we prayed over it. I, I really expected, I really thought, I really expected that one of those moments when we prayed, it would just be all better. And it didn't get any better. And I went back, and I just knew that we just needed to pray again, and I, we prayed again, and, and then we prayed again, and it didn't get any better. And every night I'm praying, and I'm looking at my leg, and I'm scared because it's turning all sorts of yellow and weird colors, and it swelled up, and I'm... And I remember there come a, a, a night as I slipped into my sleeping bag in this abandoned house that I lived in. I put my hand on my leg and I started to pray for it. And I just stopped. I said, God, I don't know what else to do. The church has prayed. I've prayed. I'm done with this. I don't know what else to do. I'm done. I got up the next morning and went to my job site and I remember putting the ladder up against the building. I was going to do some painting, and, and I got halfway up the ladder, and all of a sudden I realized I wasn't favoring that leg because I couldn't use that leg to step up the ladder. I had to use my left leg. And I remember I had shorts on and looked down at my leg. Everything, everything, everything was absolutely normal. All of the bruising was gone. The muscle was back in place. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. That was the most faithless prayer anybody ever prayed. I'm tired of praying about this. Listen, there comes a time in your life when you need to release things to God. And they released this to God. And God understood that there was now a stone covering God's speaking to somebody, whether you're here in person or you're listening online. You rolled a stone in the way. And third, there comes a revelation. Sister said, I, he's dead, but I know that even now. You know what? God wants us to get to the place when we just trust him so completely that we never look at a situation and say it's over until God says it's over. That there always is that part of us that says, man, this is crazy, I, but, but he's so big. He's so good. He's so powerful. I believe that even now, even now, and I know I've told you this story, but I, I'm impressed to tell it again. We went to pastor the church, and he was there. Had had some strokes. He had all he could do to keep from. He, he could barely talk. He could barely move. He walked with a walker. He would come. Him and his wife would sit in the second or third row on the left side, and and we just ministered and. And he used to he used to pastor, used to pastor a large church, and there he sat. And 
And he would, you know, you, you could talk some, but you had to listen closely to understand what he was saying because the stroke had affected his facial muscles. And one Sunday night, we're having an altar service, and he comes up for prayer. I saw him struggling out of this pew, and he grabs his walker, and he comes to the front, and I, I get in front of him, and God says, Tell him he hasn't preached his last message yet. And I said, are you sure? <laughs> and God says, tell him he hasn't pastored his last church yet. So I said it. I said, brother... God just said this to me. You haven't preached your last message yet. You haven't even pastored your last church yet. As he's standing there like this. And we prayed for him. And there were other things that happened, but in the ensuing weeks, it just like he it's like he went backwards. What's that movie, Benjamin Button? The dude went backwards in age. And pretty soon, he didn't need the walker. And pretty soon, his face returned to normal. And pretty soon, the, 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 the ability to talk got better. I let him start opening service with prayer, and pretty soon, he's asking for a chance to preach. And he got up there, and he preached. <laughs> And literally six months after we left that church, he went out and started a church. The dude went out and started a church. Before he left, he asked for the messages that were preached while he was still sick until he got better. He asked for all the master tapes. He offered the church several thousand dollars for those tapes. Somebody said, why would you, why would you? He says, they brought me back to life. You see, the word of God does that. The word of God does that. It's more than spirit, it's life. And, and, and she got a revelation that even now, listen to me, beware of the peace that comes with quitting. It's a fight. It's called a fight because it's a fight. It's a fight of faith. Paul never said he won every battle, but he said he fought every battle. I fought a good fight. Got knocked down a few times, but I got back up. I took some hits and I gave some hits. I fought. Don't give in to the spirit of peace that comes with quitting. Good word. Number four, restoration. They had rolled a stone over the entrance to his grave. And listen to me for a moment. He told them to roll it away. 
they reminded him that they put the stone there because what's behind the stone stinks. I want to tell you something. It's the hardest part of being a believer is to trust God with the stinky parts of your life. He was at a well, and a woman came to the well, and you remember the conversation well. They, they talked back and forth, and in the midst of the conversation, he says to her, go get your husband. We sat in a restaurant one time years ago, and our little son, I think he was maybe two or three years old, I don't remember how old, but we sat there, and some lady came, it was a buffet, and some lady came by our table to go to the buffet and get something to eat, and she's coming up behind me, and I'm looking at my son's face, and he goes like this, <gasps> and literally, when she gets right there, he goes, Dad, that's the ugliest woman I've ever seen. He's just a kid. He didn't know any better, but I wanted the ground to swallow me. When, when Jesus does this, the Bible literally says he knew. You see by the conversation, he knew all about her past. Look at, look at, go back and look at it. He, she's having a good religious conversation with him. You know, I want to ask you something. Well, I've got you here. I, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Now, l let me ask you this question. We think that we ought to be worshiping on this mountain, and you guys think we ought to be worshiping on that mountain, and could you kind of give me the theological underground underpinnings for all of this? And shortly after that, he goes, go get your husband. You, you, you wished he hadn't said that. You know her pain. He's got to take a deep breath. And she's got to look at him and says, I, I don't have one. I don't have one. I've had five men who said they loved me. I've had five men who have kicked me to the curb. And I'm living with a man now that doesn't love me enough to marry me, but at least if I trade him my body, I'll get a warm meal and a place to sleep. There. There's my stinky stuff. Jesus' answer to her was, well said. I want to tell you something. You will never get past your stinky stuff until you roll the stone in your heart away. Because listen to me, Martha and Mary were convinced that Lazarus died because Jesus didn't care enough to show up. What happened to you is not because Jesus didn't care enough. And that's often the stone. He's here to fix. And until you're willing to let God engage your stinky stuff,
This is what I've done. This is who I am. This is my past. There will always be that stone there. That's what I love about God so much. He's all about the redemption and about fixing things. We want to look backwards, and he wants us to look forwards. <laughs> Even Paul said, I had to get to this point where forgetting those things that are behind. Last is invitation. Jesus says to them, take me to where he is. Listen, this is not a nuanced word. This is a specific truth we need to embrace. For too often, we take our problem to Jesus, but we don't take Jesus to our problem. Let me put it another way. Jesus is the word. We need to take the word to our problem. Whew. That's good stuff. We need to take the word. Because I want to tell you, oftentimes, oftentimes our problem is caused because we've been deceived somewhere. We have bought a lie, and we're living out the lie, and the fruit of that lie is corruption. And what we do, don't need is for God to fix the corruption. He needs to fix the lie that we believe. And he fixes the lie that we believe by applying the word of God to it. And so they didn't bring Lazarus to Jesus. They brought Jesus to Lazarus. You need to get a word from God, whether it's a a, a, a rhema word, a, a word from God that has a base, a foundation in Scripture, or you need to find yourself a Scripture that contradicts the lie that you believe and begin to apply that to your life. You bring the word to your problem, and when your problem and the word disagree, you make the conscious choice to believe the word more than you believe what you feel, what you see, what you've experienced, what you've done, who you've been told you are, and you believe the word of God. And so they brought the word to their problem, and the word said, you roll the stone away. You roll it away. You know, there's a faith without works. It's dead. God blesses us with the opportunity to participate in the miracle. Master, we need to send all these people away. There's 20,000 of them, and we're out in the wilderness, and we don't have enough food to feed them. There's not even a town nearby. We don't need to feed them, send them away. What, what do you got? <laughs> we got a little boy's lunch, and 
I, I hate the pictures that people paint for this scene. You know, they got those big French breads, you know, 10 of those in a basket and a bunch of fish. It was a little boy's lunch. And they bring the little boy's lunch, and he, they said, here, we, we got this, but what's this amongst so many? Now, Jesus didn't pick up the basket and go. He blessed it, and then he told them, you divide it. Can you? He told them to have the people sit down in groups, 20, 30, 40 people. Can you imagine what that felt like? Come here, Jesus, for a second. Oh, I'm sorry, you're busy. Come here, Jeff. I know it's hard to imagine Jeff is Jesus, but let's just, you, you stand right here. There's Jesus, and there, there's all the people, tens of thousands of them. All we got is this little boy's lunch, and they put it in front of him. He blesses it, and he turns to the 12 disciples, and he says, you guys pass it out. Now, it was a little boy's lunch. Each disciple got a 12th of a little boy's lunch. And they had to take that from Jesus. <laughs> I, I like the picture here because if you're ever going to see a miracle, you've got to face Jesus first. Amen. And somewhere along the line, <laughs> they're carrying this little <laughs> bit to the first group. You know, Beth, when I pastored our first church, there was eight weeks before anybody ever showed up. We did everything we knew to do. We preached and taught and worshipped and canvassed and everything. Nobody showed up. And then I thought it couldn't get any worse. It, it got worse. Two people showed up. There's an auditorium a little bit smaller than this, and they came and they, first of the first Sunday, and they sat down in the second row. And I'll never forget the look on their faces. I got up to say, okay, folks, it's time to start service. They're the only people in the building. And I remember they, he slowly turned. They learnt, looked at each other and then turned around and looked behind them. And there's nobody else there. <laughs> when you preach, where do you look when there's, there's only... I mean... <laughs> If you look over there, you're kind of making them nervous, okay? But then if you look over here and you talk, well, there's nobody over there and you feel stupid. And it was even more awkward when we passed the offering plate because I'm the only usher we got. So I, I pick up the offering plate and I, go, <laughs> I stick it in front of them. It's empty. And they just stare at it. Like, I don't know if I want to eat sushi. You know what I'm saying? They just stared at that empty plate. I want to say, come on, people. You can see where it's... <laughs> Nobody, I've never learned in all my training, how long do you leave the plate there? Do you just do a quick in and out? Or do you leave it sit there for five minutes? So they get to... I, I had to take the plate away and go put it back. They, they, they took this little bit from Jesus and they went over to this group and in that moment, listen, 
in that moment of giving it away, something happened and multiplied back into their hands. We Christians, we want the miracle to happen the moment we face Jesus so that we take it over here, but faith without works is dead. It's when God gives you something to say to somebody, and all you got is the first few words. And you got you to give that. It's like, yeah, but what do I say after that? That's not much. How many know what I'm talking about? And, and, and you start to give that, and then all of a sudden, you got the whole download. And you can share the whole thing. But you didn't have that at first. You had one-twelfth of a little boy's lunch. But by faith, you gave that away. Jesus in this moment, let me see that. Jesus in this moment is telling them, I need your faith in action to roll away that stone. Jesus is going about his business. A dad comes to him and says, Master, my little girl is sick. I need you to come. Jesus said, I'll go. And they start on their way there. And before they get to the little girl, the man gets word that his little girl has now died. Jesus turns to him and basically says, don't give up faith now. You, you see, we, we think when it gets harder, it gets too hard. <laughs> no, no, no. It gets, when it gets harder, it's a better miracle. And so you might have to roll the stone away. You might have to. When you know that what's behind it stinks, you might have to roll that stone away. You might have to ask for prayer for that. You might have to confess to God your role in that mess. Come on. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Can you imagine what that was like? A lot of people are standing around. Jesus said, roll the stone away, and Martha said, that, that's, not, that's not a good idea. Surely it stinks. He says, roll it away. Listen to me for a moment. They roll the stone away. And they don't see nothing. But they hear something. They heard something before they saw something. <laughs> and I got to praying about that this week and the Holy Spirit told me that something I never thought about before. Lazarus heard something before he saw something. His face was wrapped in a cloth. He's dead. 
four days dead. And in the darkness of death, he hears, Lazarus, come forth. He stands up. He's bound. He's wrapped like a mummy. He can't see. But he knew from which direction the voice came. <laughs> you will always hear something from God before you see something from God. And whether or not you act on that word, whether or not you act on that word makes all the difference in the world. What if they had said, he's been dead four days. Thanks for coming. Appreciate your concern, your compassion. I ain't rolling the stone away. What if Lazarus had said, you know, I heard something, but I don't see anything. I'm not moving. All I have is a sound. I don't see anything. All I have is a sound. I'm still bound up. I'm still blindfolded. I'm just going to lay here until I get something more. Listen. We need to walk by faith, not by sight. Thank you for joining Michael Rice, lead pastor at Encounter. More messages from Pastor Rice are available on our website, www.wreckedbygod.com. On our website, you can subscribe to our regular podcast or on iTunes. Find us on Facebook under Encounter.